0: started
1: all right this
0: is daily power parsha welcome and let's welcome now sandrine as well sarah welcome i don't know if you heard us welcome you but we welcomed you before and sandrine welcome it's good to have you here all right today is friday november 2021 and this is dpp for friday we're gonna do here's the game plan you ready reading number six not one Reading number six, number seven, and Haftorah. Torah. I'm going to share my screen. Let's jump right in to the wild tale of adventure. Again, by Torah portion, Genesis chapter thirty-five, starting with verse number twelve. So, what did we do so far? So, we read it so far this week. We read about the. Um, we read about the uh, the reunion. The dramatic meeting between Yaakov and Esav after 34 years, and Yaakov is petrified, but it works out okay. Then we read about um, the abduction of Dina, the abduction and assault of Dina, very horrible moment in the family, in, in, in the Jewish family's history, and uh, how Shimon and Levi, the two, her two brothers, they go ahead and wipe out a city, the city of Shechem, and rescue her. And At this point, I think that was the last day. I want to say that was the last. It's been a few days. We had JLI yesterday, but I think that was kind of what we were doing. Oh, yeah. God tells Jacob, tells Jacob, bring, bring, uh, go build the altar and, and bring an offering. And he does. Okay. So this takes us to reading number six. Here we go. And the land, God continues speaking to Jacob, to Jacob, and the land that I gave to Abraham and to Isaac. I will give to you and to your seed after you will I give the land. Now, sometimes people ask, how do we know that when God gave the land of Israel to Abraham, that it's really intended for Isaac and Jacob and the Jewish people? Maybe, you know, Abraham had had, had another kid, Ishmael, and Isaac had another kid, Asav, Esau, so how do we know? So again, just straight up here, it's black and white. It's in It's in the Torah. Genesis chapter 35, verse number 12, God says to Jacob, And the land that I gave to Abraham and to Isaac, yeah, that land, Israel, I will give to you and to your seed after you will I give the land. Jacob had only had his children with the 12 tribes. So this is who we're talking about. Okay, I hope that's clear. Let's continue verse 13. And God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. Now, Jacob had erected a monument in the place where he had spoken with him, a stone monument, And he poured a libation upon it, and he then he poured oil upon it. So here, what we have is Yaakov, Jacob, going back to the place where he slept all the way back at the beginning of the Torah portion, the place, the Temple Mount, where he originally left Israel from, and slept and had the dream with the ladder and the angels. And he promised that if God, if you bring me back to this place, yeah, safe, safely and securely, then I will build a monument, I will build an altar, and and bring a sacrifice. That's what happens. Jacob erected a monument, a stone monument, and he poured a libation. Typically, that was like a wine libation. Typically, they would pour wine on an altar type thing. And then he poured oil upon it as well. Okay, let's continue. Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. Bethel means a house of God. Again, this is, the, this is foreshadowing the holy temple that would be built ultimately on that land in, Jeru- in the Temple Mount in Jerusalem hundreds of years later. This is kind of like foreshadowing that. Beit, Kel, Bethel. Right here in the Hebrew, here in the English, that means the house of God. Again, space where the temple would be later built. Let's continue. And they journeyed, they meaning the family, journeyed from Bethel. And there was still some distance to come to Ephrat. That's where they were headed. And Rachel gave birth. Remember Rachel? Rachel was his beloved wife, the one who he originally wanted to marry, the one who he fell in love with uh, initially. So Rachel, Rachel has one son so far. That's Yosef, Joseph, Joseph. Rachel gives birth and her labor was difficult. Okay, so now Rachel is having her second child. She's giving birth. The labor is difficult. It came to pass, verse 17, that she had such difficulty giving birth that the midwife said to her, don't be afraid. For this one too is a son for you. And the reason why, let me just explain what she's saying. Not that a girl would be a problem, but there was a tradition that Yaakov was going to have 12 sons. And thus far, he had 11 sons. And Rachel had only one son, right? So she wanted that last son, that 12 sons should be born to her. So the midwife was telling her as she was giving birth, it was very difficult. The midwife was telling her to kind of, I guess, make her lift her spirits or keep her positive, keep her focused on, you know, whatever it is. The midwife said, this one's a boy, right? This one's a boy. And this is this is the last one. You got the last boy. But it didn't help. I mean, that encouragement, I mean, maybe it did help. It didn't help. I don't know. She passed away anyway, as we'll see. And it came to pass, verse 18, when her soul departed, for she died. She passed away giving birth. She died in childbirth. That she named him, but she still was able, able to give him a name before she passed away. She named him Ben-Oni. Ben Oni. Now, what does Ben Oni mean? Ben Oni means the son. Ben is the son. Oni means of my suffering. Ben Oni means this is the son born of my difficult suffering, difficult and painful labor and childbirth, the son of my suffering. But his father called him Benjamin, Binyamin, which means son of my right side, my right hand man, my right hand son, or the son born to me in, um, how was it, right? I don't know, maybe the one born in Israel, as opposed to Haran, whatever it was, but the, the, the mother, his mother, Rachel Rachel names him Ben-Oni, his father calls him ben and he's known as Ben-Yamin, Ben-Oni, although his mother named him that, it connotes suffering, and pain, and ultimately death, and that would certainly be a burden for that child to carry, can you imagine a name? That, that, that evokes uh, a, a mother's passing away while giving birth to, to, to the child, that would be a very difficult burden to bear. So the name that sticks is Benjamin, Benjamin, the name that the father gave. So Rachel died, verse 19, Rachel died. And she was buried on the road to Ephrath because they were between Bethel and Ephrath. Remember, they were traveling. He had put the monument, he anointed it and whatever. So he went from Bethel to Ephrat on the road is when Rachel gave birth and passed away. So she was buried there. And that place is Bethlehem. 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 And Jacob erected a monument on her grave. I don't know if we have any original, any prior prior source in the Torah for putting up a, a stone, a headstone, a gravestone. This is, I think, it's the first one. In the Hebrew, it's matseva, which is actually what we call it to this very day. When a person, when a loved one passes away, and of course, we lay them to rest. The custom is we put up a matseva, We put up a, a headstone. Where's the origin? This is the first time we see it. Jacob puts up a monument on her grave, and that is the tombstone. The verse continues. That is the tombstone of Rachel until this day. That is Matseves Kavuras rachla, adayom, the tombstone of Rachel. Rachel's tomb. By the way, to this day, there is a place, Rachel's tomb. Many people, has any has anyone, just a quick question. Has anyone been there? Ray, you've been there? Ray, give us a little bit of info. Uh, unmute if you don't mind and tell us when you were there and, and what you saw. Hold on, you got to unmute. Hold on, hold on. Didn't work yet? Yeah, you got, that, it. got it.
1: Yeah, so when we went, I was with a group of teachers and we uh, we had a soldier uh, on the bus with us and a historian anyway so when we went there were it was very dangerous they weren't going to let us go then they did and there were a whole bunch of soldiers on the roof of that um of rachel's tomb and uh, there's something that if you get a um, piece of red string or a red and so people did and um now i don't know if that's a blessing for a wedding or for a baby, which is
0: it? Is I, it's whatever you want it to be. Okay. No, I'm kidding. It's no, it's one of those things where there's a lot of different traditions. I mean, this it's it depends who you ask. There's a there's also a tradition that the red string wrapped around the tomb of Rachel wards off the evil eye, the Ayanhara, the evil eye. So that's also a big, a big, a big idea. Yeah. Was that the origination of the red string? Yes. Yeah. The red string is the red string wrapped around Rachel's tomb. Oh, huh. yeah, yeah. but everybody gets uh, okay. They wrap it around, then everything. They cut a piece, right, for everybody. Yes, yeah. yes. They yes. cut a piece. Yeah, yeah. Did Rachel's tomb? It had like the little dome on top of it, like the way it looks in pictures.
1: I don't remember because the soldiers were up there with guns. I don't really remember.
0: The soldiers were protecting you guys. Is that what? Was yes,
1: gone? it was. We, they weren't going to let us go in the beginning. And the IDF, and then they said,
0: okay. So they were and sniper, they were in sniper position in yes. case anybody attacked. Yes. Wow! exactly. You felt safe? What, every- what,
1: year? what year? I I've, I don't remember, but um did we, I always felt safe. E- even on buses, where, when it was soldiers with guns, I felt that they were protecting us. Right. I mean, of course, Hashem protects us, but we had the additional protection of the IDF. It's always Wherever good to we have went, a... It's always good we to have a soldier with
0: a gun in addition to Hashem, right? I mean, it's right. like just on top of that. Just you know, yeah.
1: We we had to get uh, permission before we went uh, to um, the Cave of the Machpelah. Right. We had to get permission before
0: we went anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's it's amazing. It's ironic. It's amazing. It's 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 weird how like all the Jewish holy sites are the ones that are the most dangerous. It's, it's right. And bizarre. and Hebron,
1: when we went to Hebron, yeah, they. So the driver said, um, "Oh, I apologize that the windows are dirty." He said, "We should have cleaned them." Well, afterwards, he told us they had to, they had made them smoky to protect us.
0: Oh, right. So no one would see. Wow. Hold on, but one second, Joy. I know Joy asked, but is this? Are we talking about seventies, eighties, nineties? Like what? What deck? What approximately? What are we talking about?
1: Uh, well, I was there more than once.
0: Um, I'm saying the radio...
1: And I don't remember, Rabbi, I I
0: don't remember. Okay, all right, no worries, no (laughs) worries. Okay, thank you for sharing that, very special. So Rachel is buried on the road. In other words, what it means is she wasn't taken to the cave of Machpelah, where the patriarchs and matriarchs are buried. She was just buried, not just, she was buried in her own spot. But I will tell you something, and this is a powerful idea, and we've shared it before, that this becomes a pivotal moment for Jewish history, because this is a crossroads. This place was a crossroads when the Jews were being exiled after the destruction, by the, by the, at the time of the destruction of the first temple as the Jews were being carried away in chains. So they went by the tomb of Rachel and they were crying and Rachel is crying. Rachel the verse says is, was crying for her children. And God says the patriarchs cried, ah. but when Rachel cried for her children, that prayer I'm listening to. The patriarchs, all right, maybe, maybe not. But Rachel's prayer gets answered, and God says, There will be a return. You will come back. I promise, I promise, Rachel, your children will come back. It's a beautiful Rachel Mavakar Albanel. Rachel is, is, uh, Rachel's crying for her children, and God says, There will be, there will be, a, a, a return. Just to explain a little bit, Rachel says, God, you're exiling the people because they abandoned you, right? And chose other gods. They served idols and they were, they were not so faithful, okay? That's, that's why you're destroying the temple. Uh, and that's why you're exiling the people. Rachel says, I in my own life, right? I had my sister. I was supposed to marry Yaakov, Jacob, and my sister swooped in, right? And my sister came and Leah and married Yaakov, married, married my husband instead of me. But I didn't get jealous, I, I listen. It's part of the master plan. Like what I, I didn't get jealous. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make a whole thing. So God, the people served idols that weren't so faithful. If I, if I was able to, to reign in my jealousy, you can reign in your jealousy, so to speak. And that's the prayer that God, according to our, according to the sage, according to the verses, that's the prayer that God listens to. Very powerful idea. But why is she positioned to pray specifically for her children? Because of where she was, you know, On the uh, on the road, so to speak, um, not tucked away in the cave of Machpelah, but but on her own, Uh, some some powerful ideas about Rachel's tomb and Rachel's burial. Let's continue, Rabbi. Yeah,
1: I want. I I just remembered we were there for Yehuda's bar mitzvah. He's twenty four now, so he was thirteen then. So that's when it was.
0: Okay, got it. Okay. And if you go, uh, if you go to Israel with Rabbi Schusterman and uh, Dina in March, it's part, the cave of Marpela is part of the trip. Nice. We have to see if we can get the Rachel's tomb also on that, on that trip. That would be, that would be a very special, very special thing. Yeah.
1: But also, isn't it significant Benjamin was born in Canaan and Rachel is buried in Canaan?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's the only one of the 12 tribes born there. Yeah. And there's got to be a symbolism there. Yeah. All right. So let's see what, what happens next. Verse 21. So Israel, that's Jacob, right? And by the way, I mentioned that after the name changed, because God changed his name, it still refers to him as Yaakov and Israel, Jacob and Israel. And we see right here. Jacob erected a monument, Israel journeyed. I mean, it's the same guy. It's just, it's used interchangeably. Um, Israel journeyed and he pitched his tent at some distance past the tower of Adar. And it came to pass when Israel sojourned in that land. Oh, this is a very, okay. Now this is a dramatic story. Came to pass. So now you saw, in know Jacob was living in that land that Reuben went. Reuben was his firstborn from Leah. Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. Now that is pretty um, pretty damning for Reuben. For ruben says he lay with Bilha, his father's concubine. Okay, so what's going on over here? So the commentators explain, no, he did not do anything with Bilha. What he did was he moved his father's bed. So what happened? What happened? And I, I'm sure I explained this last year, but. We- I'm sure I explained it last year, but we'll do it again because uh, it's been a year. Basically, his father had Jacob had two wives, and each of them had a maidservant, and he had children from all four. So there's Rachel and Leah, Rachel and Leah. And then Rachel's maidservant was Bilhah, and Leah's was Zilpah. So it was Rachel, Leah, Bilhah, Zilpah. So Rachel, Rachel just passed away and they each had their own tent, right? So Rachel passes away. So Jacob moves his bed, right? Right, yeah, moves his bed, his primary bed, if you will, to whose tent? Bilha, her maidservant. Reuben was incensed. He's like, all this time, my mother, yeah, Leah, right? My mother plays second fiddle to Rachel, Rachel passes away, and now my father moves his bed, not to my mother, but to my my mother's sister's maidservant, Bilha. Huh? Not cool. So Reuben, Ruvain, the oldest son of Leah, is absolutely like this. No way. He storms out, grabs his father's bed, and drags it into his mother's tent. Are you with me? What's going on here? Okay protecting his mother's honor and writing what he feels is a wrong now you need to know you need to know this jacob was a special guy he was a holy guy i don't know why what where when but i do know that jacob for whatever reason, had his reasons right for whatever he did Ruv- Ruvain, as a child doesn't necessarily know all the reasons even if he's a little bit older right even if he's in his Teens, he might be 18, he might be 22 at this point. I don't know, but Ruvain is not qualified to make these what we would call high level decisions. Are you with me on this about where his father is going to put his bed, etc.? That's not the child's, that's not Ruvain's deal. You with me so far? So, father Yaakov is not happy with what Ruvain did. The Torah alludes to this by saying that Reuben went, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah. He didn't lay with, he wasn't wasn't intimate with Bilhah. That was not it. But he moved the bed from Bilhah's tent to his mother's tent. In other words, he mixed in, he mixed in to the intimate life of his father and Bilhah. That's what it means. He mixed into that area of the family, so to speak. And his father heard of it. And he was not happy. Take a look at this. The verse continues. And it says, and so the sons of Jacob were 12. That's a bizarre ending to this verse. And the sons of Jacob were 12. That means that even though Reuben did something that one might consider to be unforgivable, at the end of the day, Jacob's sons were 12. He didn't get cut out of the family. Are you with me on this? He may have lost some privileges, like the firstborn privileges. Whatever he may, There may be some repercussions, But at the end of the day, Jacob says, I still have 12 kids. I still have 12 sons. He didn't like totally cut him out. There's there's an interesting feature in this verse. I don't know if there's any other verse that has this. Look at the Hebrew side. You see, this is Pazachafbeis 22. In middle of the verse, you have this letter pay. That letter pay indicates that in the Torah, in the the scroll, there's like a paragraph break or even a line break. I forget which one. It might be a line break even with with that pay. Or, or maybe it's just a section break like, like a like a white space. Typically, it's like a one run on. It's like the words are all you know one after the other. Even at e- yes. but here the pay indicates a space, and this space exists in middle of this verse, and the verse kind of this creates what we might call no pun intended a pregnant pause. This this creates like a, a pause in the in this one verse. Reuben does this. God, uh, Israel hears about it. Dot dot dot. And still, the children of Yaakov were 12. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Notwithstanding, again, I'm referring to the Hebrew, notwithstanding the action that Reuben does, that's not cool, right? As Father deems not cool, nonetheless, dot, 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 the sons of Jacob were still 12. Okay. And all of what I'm telling you is from Rashi and from the commentaries, it's all all super, super classic mainstream understanding of this. In fact, the Torah continues to enumerate all 12 sons, which also makes sense in this context because uh, the last son was the last of the 12 sons was just born. So now we're just giving the full list. Okay. So the Torah says the sons of Leah were Ruvain, Jacob's firstborn, and Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Zavulam. Six sons to Leah. And by the way, also Dinah, the daughter, but we're talking about the sons. So, tw- so, six sons for Leah. Sons of Rachel, Yosef and Benjamin, Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, the aforementioned one whose husband's bed got pulled out. Okay. Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, had Don and Naphtali, those two kids. The sons of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, were God and Usher. These are Jacob's sons who were born to him in Padan Aram. That's, although that's not accurate. Um, eleven of those sons were born in Padan Aram, and one was born in Canaan, right? as we just read a moment ago. right? But nonetheless, I guess most of them were born in Padan Aram, so we're just, uh, you know, putting it all together. And Jacob came to his father Isaac. Can you imagine the first time after so many years he was reunited with his dad, Isaac? Last time they saw each other was shortly after the blessing kerfuffle. Anyway, so Jacob comes to came to his father Isaac, to Mamre, Kirat Arba which is Hebron. Oh, ah, oh, Ray, we talked about Hebron here. There you go, Hebron. <laughs> right here, the, the, the cave of Machbelah, where Abraham and Isaac dwelt, right? That original holy city of Hebron, Jacob, Yaakov finally comes back full circle. His dad is there and the family is reunited. Let's talk about Isaac now, right? Isaac, the days of Isaac were 180 years. Isaac lived 180 years and Isaac expired and died and was gathered to his people. Old and sated with days. Old and sated with days means that he accomplished his mission in life. He did what he needed to do. And his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. This indicates that Esau, you know, uh, stood up to bury his father. Remember what we said, that Esau, with all of his shortcomings and all of his uh, baggage, right? He was still very honored. He still honored his father greatly and immensely. Esau loved his father, Isaac, and he honored him in immensely. He tried to hide his true behavior from his father because he wanted his father not to be disappointed in him. He really cared about his dad. And so when his dad passed away, when Isaac passes away, who buries him? Esau and Jacob, the twins, but Esau is there. Esau is still part of the family and still buries his dad. Okay, make sense so far? Yes. So it is nice that they were reconciled so they could do it together. Yeah, I mean, although, right, 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 yeah, it's, it's yes, yes, I understand what you're saying. In other words, it's nice that they, at the beginning of the Torah portion, they made up, so now right. they can at least, uh, exactly, participate in the bear. Now, long term, you know, were they best friends, as we discussed in the j list? No, they weren't best friends long term. But you're right, at least functionally, they had repaired the relationship to at least have some sort of uh, measure of communication and cooperation to be able to, uh lay their father to rest in a respectful way
1: that was but, a lesson from yesterday's class i mean we yeah. don't always have to be you know best buds
0: exactly jinx right we don't have to be best buds but uh we get it done we make it work right now i want to share something else isaac lived how long 180 so you know you may know this the traditional blessing is 120 I mean, may you live to 120 but the rebel would sometimes say 180 right like isaac let's go 180 listen please God in good health, right? 180, not a bad gig, right? Imagine when you're 90, you could be like midlife, you know, midlife crisis, 90 that's, that's good. But only, but with good health and uh, you know, with blessings. Okay. So we've read about, let's just consolidate what we did because the the narrative, as you'll see is about to get a little about to go in a completely different direction. But so, so we talked about today, the birth of Benjamin, the passing of Rachel the burial of Rachel, the passing and the passing now ultimately of, of Isaac. All right, let's continue. Genesis chapter 36, verse number one. And again, it's we're gonna veer off in a different direction now. Talk about the other side of the family, if you know what I mean. Talk about the other twin, Esau and his descendants. And these are the generations of Esau that is Edom. Now, again, the, the man's name was Esau, Esau. But he's also referred to as Edom. Why? Because Edom was the nation that was created by Esau and his family. The, the, the nationality, if you will, was they were Edom, the Edomites. That's just the way it became known as. Now, Esau took his wives. So literally, we're going to have a family tree of Esau. Now, you might think, like, who cares? Well, the Torah cares enough to tell us about this family. So let's, let's read it. Let's, let's learn it isa took his wives from the daughters of canaan remember he took ada daughter of elon the Hittite, and ohalibama daughter of anna daughter of zibion the hevite so he married two local girls and remember they were um they were involved in idolatry and then he found out that his brother was going to go elsewhere to marry someone from the family and so then he took a third wife but kept the first two so that's the third wife right here verse three also basmat Daughter of Ishmael, sister of Nebayat, that is who he married as a third wife. Wow, wow. these twins between the two of them, seven wives, Kanahara, as they say. All right, let's continue. Or, or maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if that's a, okay. Next, number four Ada, again, the, the, his wives are Ada, Alibama, and Basmat. Okay, good. Ada bore Eliphaz to Asa, and Basmat bore Ru'uel. So, so far, two wives, two sons, Eliphaz and Ru'el. By the way, Eliphaz was the guy who chased Jacob when Jacob left. Sorry, when Jacob ran away initially from home after his brother wanted to kill him and he ran away from home. And uh, um, Esau sent Eliphaz, his son, to track him down and kill him. And that's, Aliphaz is the one who eventually robbed Jacob instead of killing him. I think I mentioned this a few days ago. He took his money instead of his life. And Jacob said, just take my money and, and, and that's like you killed me and whatever. And he did. But that was Aliphaz. He was the, the, the hired gun. I mean, his son also, but, uh, Esau's son, but he was the one who he sent. Now, Ali Bama, the third wife bore Yeush and, hold on, Yalam, although I like it in English, Jalam, Jalam, Balaam, and Korach. I don't think that's the Korach that we know and love. It's a different one. These are the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. And Esau took his wives, his sons, and his daughters, and all the people of his household, and his cattle, and all his animals, and all his property that he acquired in the land of Canaan. And he went to another land. He went to another land because of his brother Jacob. With me, his brother Jacob was now came back to Canaan. So Esau bounced a little bit for their possessions were too numerous for them to dwell together. And the land of their sojournings could not support them because of their livestock. So it's interesting that Esau makes way for his brother. It's a bit of a concession over there. You might have thought that Esau would have said, Jacob, there's too many of us around here in one small spot. You're out of here. I'm the firstborn. You're gone. No, Esau picks up and he moves on. Where did he go to? Here we go. So Isa dwelt on Mount Seir. Esau. That is Edom. Ed- Edom. He's the nation of Edom. And these are the two generations. Sorry. And these are the generations of Esau, the progenitor of Edom on Mount Seir. These are the names of Esau's sons. And you're probably wondering, didn't we just talk about this? Yes, we did. we reviewing it. Elifa, son of Adah. The wife of, of Esau, Ruel, son of Batsmat, wife of, wife of Esau, the sons of Aliphas. Now so now we're getting the next generation, the grandkids, the Enaklach, the grandkids. The sons of Aliphas were Taman, Omar, Sfo, Gatam, and Kenaz. And Timnah was a concubine to Aliphaz, son of Esau. And she bore to Aliphas Amalek. Whoa, Amalek comes in here. Yeah. Remember Amalek? That's the nation that eventually becomes the thorn at the Jew's side. This is Amalek, the progenitor. The zaidi of the nation Amalek is born to Eliphaz and Timnah. Again, Eliphaz was the son of Esau. So again, just break this down. Esau's son, Eliphaz, has a concubine whose name is Timnah. They, Eliphaz and Timnah, have a son whose name is Amalek. And Amalek becomes the thorn on the side of the Jews. So again, it's always family. It's always family that, that, uh, that hurts the most. That's the way it is. The Jewish enemy, Amalek, is a cousin, essentially. Yeah, it's a cousin. It's, es- it's Esau's grandson. There you go. These are the sons of Adah, the wife of Esau. And these are the sons of Ruel, again, grandchildren of Isa. Nachat, Nachat, like Nachas. Huh, I wonder if he had Nachat from Nachat. Zerah, Zerach actually, Shama, Miza. These are the sons of Basma, wife of Isa. And these are the sons of alibama daughter of Anna, daughter of Zeboan, the wife of Isa. She bore to Isa, Yeush, we said this before, Yeush, Yalam, and Korach. And these, sorry, 15. These became the chieftains of the sons of Isa. So just to, before we do 15, time out, pause, pause everything. Okay, let me just check in. There's a lot of names here, a lot of information you might think like, I don't really need to know this. I hear you. But just, just to explain what's going on here. The Torah is describing Esau and his wives, three wives, their sons, their son's wives, and the grandchildren. The Torah is giving us these three generations, Esau, his kids, and their kids. That's what we just did. Now we talk about the tribes, like Jews, uh, Jacob had 12 sons that became 12 tribes. Esau also had tribes and chieftains of the tribes. Let's read this inside. Let's do the verses. Okay, verse number 15. These became the chieftains of the son of Esau. The sons of Aliphaz, Esau's firstborn, chief, Taman, chief, Omar, chief, Zepho, chief, Kenaz. We read all these grandchildren before, but now we know that they were also called chiefs. You with me on this? We read all these before, but they weren't called chief. Now we know they're chief Taman, chief Omar, chief zafo chief Kenaz, chief Korach, chief Gatam, chief Amalek. Same people, same names as a, as a few verses ago, but these became chiefs of tribes. How many are there? How many are there? Let's do this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven chiefs. Let's see if we have 12. Let's see. Seven so far. So these are the chieftains of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Adam. Let's continue. These are the sons of Ru'el, the sons of the son of Esau. Again, he had multiple kids. These are more grandkids. Chief, Nachat, Chief, Zarach, Chief, Shama, and Chief Miza. These are the chieftains of Ru'el in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Asma, wife of, of Esau. Now, again, how many do we have? We had seven. Now we had um, eight, nine, 10, and 11. No, we're gonna have more. Okay, all right, not exactly 12. And these are the sons of Elibama, the wife of Esau, chief Yush, chief Jalam, chief Korach. These are the chieftains of Elibama, the daughter of Anna, Anna, the wife of Esau. These are the sons of Esau, and these are their chieftains. He is Edom. The Torah is trying to tell us that this wasn't just a family. Esau, his kids, and their kids, three generations, these became nations unto themselves. These became their own nations. They were chiefs. Of tribes, of nations, of peoples, they all became leaders in their own right, which again makes sense because at the end of the day, Esau is from the family of Abraham, and God promised that Abraham would have many children and many and a lot of diversity. And the point is here, we have a lot of diversity in the family, right? Abraham, Abraham has, uh, has Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael goes his way, and Isaac has Jacob and Esau, and Esau goes his own way. Now we're reading about that side of the family right cousins cousins to the jewish people and big families big family with a lot of their own nations and tribes built in so okay. rabbi that means everyone has jewish ancestry in them i uh, might be might be right all the i mean i don't know everyone but uh, certainly these families right whatever they're this whatever wherever that goes is traced back to isa isa's dad is, J- is isaac and Isaac's dad is Abraham, exactly. Yeah, little did we know this whole time. Okay, so they, now, they, yeah, No, they should be nice to us, then. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, well, uh, but it
1: also seems that Esau left because he had given up his birthright, he didn't have a right to that land, so he left. Yeah, he did the right, he did good then,
0: but I he agree. never
1: forgot, he never forgets, and his children and grandchildren never forget.
0: Correct correct yes i would agree with everything that you just said sarah
1: do they all come from the spiritual world of tohu like Asaf? all yeah. of his descendants
0: i would say that that they are emblematic of tohu exactly this world of chaos it seems like it's just part of part of that part of that line i would say yeah what's interesting is let me see if if that verse here yes 100 in fact Sarah, what you're asking is literally in this reading, according to Kabbalah, um, verse 31, these these are the kings who reigned. We're going to do this in a minute. But when it says these are the kings who reigned in Edom before any king reigned over the children of Israel and others, these were the Edomite kings before Jewish kings kicked in. That's a reference to the world of Tohu that preceded the world of Tikkun. And these are talking about the descendants of Aesop. So, yeah, it's absolutely it's a direct reference in Kabbalah to uh to toho to that to that realm of chaos which precedes precedes the world of repair all right good so let's but let's get there let's uh let's start with uh the seventh reading and again we're still this is still isa we're still you know we haven't gotten back to jacob we're not gonna get back till next week with jacob's journey and his family's journey um next week of course begins the uh um the joseph drama which is like my fave so Next week, we get back to Jacob's side of the family, but we end off this Torah portion with a lot of discussion about Esau. So here we go. These are the sons of Seir, the Horite, the inhabitants of the land, Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anah, Dishon, Ezer, Dishon. These are the chieftains of the Horites, the sons of Seir in the land of Edom. Again, we're talking about the Edomites, which are the descendants of of Esau, and that's where we're at. The sons of Lotan were Hori. And Hamam, and the sister of Lotan was Timna. We already had her before. She was also the concubine of, of um, Eliphaz, and they had Amalek. Okay, but we're just getting circling the, uh, the family tree from both sides. And these are the sons of Shobal, Alvon, Menachat, and Aval, Shpho, and Onam. And these are the sons of Zibian or Zivain, Aya. Anna, he is Anna who found the mules in the wilderness. Yeah, in case you're wondering which Anna, the Torah specifies. Yeah, he's that Anna who found the mules in the wilderness when he pastured the donkeys for his father zibian Don't you remember that story? And we're like, what? We're like, who's the guy who found the mules in the wilderness? And why? Do, why? Why are we meant to know this? All right, listen, it's it's a reference that uh, that that was that certainly was relevant at a time. And these are the sons of Anna, Dishon and Olivbama, the daughter of Anna. And these are the sons of Dishan, Chemdan, Eshban, Yitran, and Chron. By the way, in case anyone's looking for names, I'm not recommending, you know, these are not Jewish names. But, you know, if anyone's looking for creative names, because, you know, um, what's the most popular name, boy name in the U.S.? I don't know. What are popular names? Um, John. John. In case John sounds too boring, done. <laughs> <laughs> right, so 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 many options here. Not Jewish names, but names. Okay, these are the sons of Azer, Bilon, Zavon, Akon. These are the sons of Dishon, Uz, Utz. Actually, Utz and Aaron. These are the chieftains of the Chorites chief Lotan, chief Shobal, chief Zibion, chief Anna, chief Dishon, chief Azer, chief Dishon. These are the chieftains of the Chorites, according to the chieftains in the land of Seir. And these are the kings who, re- okay, now, now we get to the verse that is a reference according to Kabbalah to the world of chaos. These are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the children of Israel. In other words, the Edomites, which are um, Esau's descendants, they had, they had their land, they had their kings before Jews settled ultimately Back into the land of of Israel, okay, Canaan, slash, Canaan slash Israel. So the 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 um the Aesop, Aesop side of the family, they had kings and chiefs and all that stuff. And the Jews were enslaved for four hundred years, and then and then or two hundred whatever it was for a few hundred years, and then eventually made their way to their to their land. Um, okay, who are the kings that reigned? And this is a reference, of course, as I mentioned before. To the spiritual world of chaos that precedes tikkun, the chaos that precedes the repair. Bela, son of Baar, reigned in Edom, and the name of his city was Din Hava. Bela died, and Yohab, Yo- sorry, Yovav, son of Zer- Zerach of Butzra, reigned in his stead. And Yovav died, and Husham of the land of the Tamanites, reigned in his stead. Chusham died, and Hadad, son of Bedad. Who defeated Midian in the field of Moab, reigned in his land. The name of his city was Abbot. Hadda died, and Samla of Mas- Masreka. Masreka reigned in his stead. Samla died, and Saul Sha'ol, Sha'ol, of Rehovot by the river reigned in his stead. Now, Shaol died, and Baal <coughs> Hanan, son of Akbar, reigned in his stead. Baal Hanan, son of Akbar, died, and Hadar reigned in his stead. The name <coughs> of his city was Po, his wife's name was Me... Me, me, el, me, teva, me, sorry me el, daughter of Makred, the daughter of Meh Zahav. And these are the names of the chieftains of of according to their clans, according to the place by their names Chief Timna, Chief Alva, Chief Yetate, Chief Dibama, Chief Elah, Chief Pinon, Chief Knas, Chief Taman, Chief Mibzar, Chief Magdiel, Chief Iram. How many are these? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. nine, ten, eleven. So close. These are the chieftains of Edom according to the dwelling place in the land of the possession, their possession. Is, that is Esau, progenitor of the Edomites. Okay. So the last two readings of this Torah portion, six and seven, which we just finished, are all about the other side of the family, Esau's side of the family, and the fact that they're all leaders and chieftains and big machers, and they have kings and they have monarchies and rulership set up, and the Jews. Are still a bit of a wandering family, um, unsettled in that way of having you know this uh, formality, and as we'll see, as the Jews start getting their 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 tribes moving, that's when the Egyptian exile begins, and that takes another few hundred years. Okay, all right, that that ends the Torah portion. A bit of an interesting note. So let's do the Aftorah quickly. The Aftorah talks about a vision, the vision of Obadiah, in the Hebrew it's ovadiah it's a prophet, Ovajah, or Obadiah. And his vision is about the ultimate downfall of Edom, which is perfectly synced to this week's Torah portion. Edom is a reference that I mean, we don't know who the Edomites are today. Like, all the nations are mixed up anyways. Like, we don't know Edomites versus, you know, who knows. But Edom represents the hater, the Jew hater. Edom represents, you know, the Esau, the, the, the enemy of the Jew, the enemy of, of the Jacob. And ultimately, when Mashiach comes, the enemy forces will be eliminated whether whether physically or spiritually in other words like the the negativity of the world will be eradicated and ultimately edom the negativity of edom seir isa will fall and only righteousness will prevail that's the messianic promise and that's the vision of obadiah let's read it together um, it's you know, all of these things are written in very flowery language, and we have to figure out what it means, decipher it a bit. The vision of Obadiah this is the opening verse, opening chapter, and opening verse of the book. So said the Lord. This is again half Torah, right? This is his Torah reading, but it's really the half Torah right here. This little, this little guy, half Torah. The vision of Obadiah, so said the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard tidings from the Lord and a messenger has been sent among us. Sorry, among the nations arise and let us rise up against them in war. Behold, I have made you small among the nations. You are very despised. The wickedness of your heart entice you who dwelled in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, who says to himself, who will bring me down to the earth? If you go up high like an eagle, we've had this in Kabbalah and coffee. If you go up high like an eagle, and if you place your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. Do thieves come upon you? The plunderers of the night, how were you silent? Will they not steal till they have enough? If vintagers came upon you, would they not leave over some gleaning grapes? How Esau was searched out, how his, how his hidden things were revealed. Until the border, all your allies escorted you, your friends enticed you, Ye prevailed against you, your food, they lay as a wound under you. There is no discernment in them. Shall I not in that day, says the Lord, destroy wise men from Edom and discernment from the mountain of Esau? This is talking about the revenge. So, so far we're talking about the, the, um, the challenges of the Jewish people right, the challenges, the the travails of the Jewish people at the hands of the Edomites, at the hands of the children of Esau, of Esau. But then ultimately, in that day, that day means the the times of Mashiach, right, at that point, says God, I will destroy wise men from Edom and discernment from the mountain of Esau. And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O dwellers of the Southland, in order that every man be cut off from the mountain of Esau by slaughter. Because of the violence of your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On that day you stood from afar, on the day strangers captured his possessions, and foreigners came into his cities, and on Jerusalem they cast lots, you too are like one of them. And you should not have over and you shall not, and you should not have looked on the day of your brother, on the day of his being delivered, and you should not have rejoiced about the children of Judah on the day of their destruction, and you should not have spoken proudly on the day of distress. This is referring to this is God speaking. To the Edomites, right? You should not have been happy when their temple was destroyed. You should not have been happy on the day that they were, you know, that the day that they felt that they they fell. You should not have come into the gate of my people on the day of their misfortune. Right. You shouldn't have plundered their temple. You should not have looked at their affliction on the day of their misfortune. You should not have stretched out your hand upon their possessions on the day of their misfortune. You should not have stood by the gap to cut off their fugitives Neither should you have delivered their survivors on the day of distress. You should not You should not have been a proxy to this destruction of the Jewish people. For the day of the Lord over all the nations is close. This is referring to the Messianic era. As you have done, shall be done to you. Your recompense shall be returned upon your head. For as you drank on my holy mount, shall all the nations drink constantly and they shall drink and be stunned and they shall be as though they were not. And on Mount Zion, there shall be a remnant and it shall be holy and the house of Jacob shall inherit those who inherited them. So what it's referring to now is how things come full circle. And that is, yes, the Jews have been exiled and downtrodden and beat up and the Esau's of the world either do the beating up or, they, or they're happy if they smile at the beating up. Either way, two different forms of, uh, of, 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 of antagonists here. But on, on, the, on the, the Messianic era on that day, the Jews will come back The the redemption will will be here, right? At Mount Sinai. there shall be a remnant. That means those that are left behind will come back and it shall be holy. And the house of Jacob shall inherit those who inherited them. I mentioned that, I read that a moment ago, but it means that the Jews will come back and inherit those who inherited them. And the house of Jacob shall be fire. And the house of Joseph a flame. And the house of Esau shall become stubble. And they shall ignite them and consume them in the house of Esau shall have no survivors for the Lord has spoken. Wow. That sounds like a genocide, but it's referring to the negativity, the evil within the house of Esau shall not survive because the Lord has spoken and God's voice, God's, God's word is revealed to all. And that time it will be an organic situation. Once everyone hears the word of God automatically, there will not be any evil left to hide in the world. And the inhabitants of the Southland shall inherit the mountain of Esau and the inhabitants of the plain, the Philistines, and they shall inherit the field of Ephraim and the field of Samaria, and Benjamin with the inhabitants of Gilead, and this ex- and this exiled host of the children of Israel who are with the Canaanites as far as Zaraphat and the exile of Jerusalem, which is in Safar, shall inherit the cities of the Southland, and saviors, va'olomashim, and saviors shall ascend Mount Zion to judge the mountain of Esau, and the Lord shall have the kingdom really means that the Lord will be the king of all kings and the ruler of the kingdom of this world. That is how this Haftorah ends. The Haftorah is, in a nutshell, talking about the Jewish people's downfall, Esau beating up the Jewish people, the Messianic era and the rise of the Jewish people, and the fall of the people of Edom, Esau's people. Does that make sense? The circle, it's the cycle of rising, falling, rising, falling, and ultimately it ends with Mashiach and the rise of the Jewish people, the fall of the negativity of Esau, the hate of Esau, and God's sovereignty reigning forever and ever. All right, and that's and that's uh, that makes a lot of sense given the context of this restore portion where we have Jacob and Esau kind of battling it out and Jacob wrestling with the, the angel of Esau and representing two nations and at sometimes they're peaceful at sometimes they're not so peaceful. Sometimes one is rising above the other, the other time so the other one's rising over the, the other one. But at the end of the day, as we read at the end, as we read today in the, in the Torah portion, there were Kings of Edom, but ultimately that, that ended and the the Jewish kingdom began. And that's the same story that will repeat itself in the messianic era that the, that, that, that negativity we eradicated and only, um, the one God will reign for eternity. All right. Make sense? Ish? Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. My friends, have a wonderful Shabbat. We have a lot of stuff going on this weekend. Action packed. Saturday night jewelry with Donna and Hanukkah party, right? Join us for the jewelry and the Hanukkah party. Or, the Hanukkah party, or the jewelry. Either one, just be there. 7.30 p.m., Jeff's place on the Beltline. Sunday morning, Kabbalah and coffee. Sunday, a few hours later, Meals of Love. Meals of Love. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Meals of Love is Sunday. We're going to be making food, cooking food and baking for the residents of Rebecca's tent. Which is a shelter for women without homes. This is happening Sunday, early afternoon, about 12:30. And then Sunday, 6 p.m., we have the grand celebration for the 19th of Kislev, which includes wine and dinner and a few talks. It's more of a social event, a few talks of inspiration. I'll show a quick video. We'll play some tunes, Hasidic tunes in honor of the, the occasion. And I'll be giving out a brand new, hot off the press Hebrew English edition of Tanya. You're gonna love it. And uh, it's in the sanctuary. That will be upstairs. The cooking will be right. The cooking will be on the mezzanine level.
1: Is that's the long hallway?
0: Long hallway, there where we have the kitchen and the classrooms. We'll use that for prepping and cooking. Okay. And then the so we're making our way upstairs. That's the point. Saturday night, we begin the ground floor. Sunday, early afternoon, we go up to the next level. And then Sunday evening, we finally make our way up to the top. So the
1: cooking will be in multiple rooms, like the preparation?
0: The prep is going to be in those, right. We're going to open up those rooms, put out all the tables, lay out a wow. tablecloth, and we'll be able to do cook, uh, prepping over there. And then, of course, the oven, you know, the actual cooking, we'll move it into the kitchen. That's the plan. What are well, we making, do you know? Oh, yes, of course. Oh, my gosh. You want to hear the menu? You're going to love this. <laughs> we have some really good food here. But we're not going to, you know, it's not for us, but. No, but I mean, we know, but, but, but our, our satisfaction is going to be from making food, making delicious food for sure. those. So we have artisan bread. Kosher food, yeah. Yeah, artisan breads. Um, potato- we're going to be kneading the bread? No, 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 but we have, no, that that we're not making from scratch, that we have already, that already got started. Um, but from scratch will be a potato mushroom barley soup, Caesar salad, lemon and honey salmon, roasted potatoes, asparagus, we'll cut up fresh fruit, and we'll make brownies. That's the plan. A lot of good food. Really a lot nice. Of And uh, it's going to, it's, it's, yeah. All right. So that's, that's, that's the schedule for the weekend. And of course, join us, be part of it and uh, participate in this very, very special, these special opportunities. And then not too much later, Monday, DPP in person. (laughs) Monday DPP in person, correct. Let's just go through the next week. And then Monday night, we don't have anything. Tuesday night also, we're off from JLI, and already it's Thanksgiving, so then we pick it up the next week, and it's already Hanukkah the next week. So that's... Oh, yes?
1: Do you have a playlist put together for the 19th of Kislev yet?
0: Do you know no, what actually, the that's, you're playing? Yeah, so I'm putting it together either later today or tomorrow night. I can share that. Are you on Spotify?
1: Uh, no, I'm not on Spotify, but I, I can be.
0: Okay. No, I'll, I'll, I'll see recall. how I can send that. Um. Yeah, let me see how I can send Something that. Like, I'll yeah. put it together. I'll see if I can get it on on Spotify and then maybe share it. But yeah, yeah. I have oh. a few different options, but I I don't have it you know yet finalized. You have to visit Sarah. You have to come and <laughs> make yes. Shavatown to Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> I dream of it. Yeah. Next time you're in Atlanta, I intend to. Right. Good. Yeah. Good. All what right. What city are you in, Florida? I'm in Brooksville. It's like Central Florida. Okay. Nice. nice. Very cool. Who do I know? I don't know if it's near there, but I know University of Central Florida. If that is Central Florida, I'm not sure, but I know the Chabad Rabbi there. He's the brother of the rabbi at Emory. Anyway. All right. Very good. All right. So have a good Shabbos. Ray, be well. Shabbos, Donna. Be well, good Shabbos. Joy, be well and good Shabbos. And dream be well and good Shabbos. Olia, be well and good Shabbos. And Sarah, be well and good Shabbos. Shabbat shalom to all. See y'all soon. Take care, everyone.
1: Service, everyone.
0: Take care.